welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, action, and choices that you can make to bring more joy into your life, into the world, and into other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 257 here on Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the show, I am so excited to be back with a brand new interview with Colin Egglesfield. He is an actor, author, and entrepreneur, and you might recognize him from his role on All My Children, where he played Josh Madden for several years, or maybe you saw him on the reboot of Melrose Place as Augie Kirkpatrick. He's also recently written the book Agile Artist, which is all about his journey and learning to pivot and play along in what I like to call well-planned and loosely held, where you're keeping your mind open and curious about what might be next. And he also shares very openly about his journey, which has included surviving cancer twice, including testicular cancer, which we do talk about. It's a real pleasure to have him on the show, and I really appreciate his authenticity, his humor, and we also share a deep love of sci-fi. <laughs> so it's really fun. That's what we first talk about in the first question. If you're new to the show, I want to give you a very warm welcome and say thank you so much for tuning in to Jumpstart Your Joy. This is a weekly show that's been going on for six years at this point. We're about to end up season five, so we've rounded the corner on six years of podcasting. And there's so many stories of people who have chosen joy in difficult times. And you can find them all over at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And if you want to find the show notes for this episode where I will link back to Colin's classes that he offers about getting camera ready and also embracing courage to do the things you imagine for your life, you can find them at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Colin, C-O-L-I-N, just there's just one L there, folks. <laughs> and while you're there, you're going to want to make sure and sign up for the newsletter, which comes out weekly. It will give you a little nudge to come back and listen to the latest episode. Or if you already love podcasts and know you just want to add this one to your list, go ahead and find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts are my two favorites, although Jumpstart Your Joy is literally everywhere <laughs> you listen to podcasts. So just search for it and hit that subscribe button. I think you're going to love this conversation because Colin is both so grounded and inspiring. He's a self-defined introvert, which might be contrary to what most people might think about an actor, but I've found that a lot of podcasters are also introverts, and it's interesting to hear him talk about his journey of what happens when you embrace the thing that you love, and it gives you a container that makes the thing, even if it's in front of other people, feel a lot less scary and more like home. I also deeply appreciate that Colin is sharing about how he survived cancer twice and what he's learned and chosen to pursue after battling testicular cancer, where he does share questions. What does it mean to be a man? And how do you share this kind of information with people? He was treated for and diagnosed with testicular cancer while he was working on All My Children. So I think you're going to find a lot of inspiration from his story and his journey. Let's get right on into the show. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, Colin. Thanks, Paula. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's so great. I'm glad that we are connecting. The first question that I ask everybody is, would you tell us what you loved most as a child or in school? What were your earliest sparks of joy? Oh, I loved BMX bike riding. I loved locking myself up in my bedroom, building model airplanes. I've always been an introvert, so I was happy creating my own world up in my, my bedroom, building Legos. I've always been into drawing and just creating, just living in that space of creation. Yes. Ugh, I love that. And Star and, Wars. 
And Star Wars. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I have a very vivid memory of going to see the air quotes first Star Wars with my dad. And I just remember Chewbacca. It was so big. Han Solo was the the guy I wanted to be. Yeah. He was so cool. He is. He is so cool. And it was funny because after Star Wars came out and for that following Christmas, my parents bought my sister and I Star Wars toys. Mm -hmm. And I think they deeply scarred my sister because... We woke up and we started opening up all the presents and we soon realized I had gotten Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Chewbacca. I had essentially gotten all the the good guys, the rebels, you know? And then yeah. my sister got Darth Vader, Stormtroopers, all the evil empire. And she was like, what? Is, this is like psychologically like confusing to me. Uh, so that caused a little rift in our house for a little bit. And then I gave her Princess Leia and then she was happy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, that, that would mend many, many things. Yeah. Because <laughs> Princess Leia pretty much is a, a badass. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I love that you are a multi-passionate. Many of our listeners and past guests have been that as well, meaning you maybe can't just pick the one thing that you want to be when you grow up. Would you kind of give us an overview of what you do? And I, I loved your book, The Agile Artist, so much. Would you like to explain kind of what you do and what you've been working on? Yeah, you just, you hit it. I just wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do. There were so many things that I was interested in that it was hard for me to decide. You know, one minute I wanted to be an astronaut. Next minute I wanted to be a baseball player. Going through life trying to, like most everyone else, trying to f- see where you fit in. And mm-hmm. growing up, as I mentioned, an introvert, I wasn't always I wasn't necessarily sure how to communicate what I was feeling and needing. And because I was more on the scrawnier side, I wasn't as big as some of the other kids in school. So I kept kind of quiet for fear of not standing out too much. So it was kind of like, all right, I'm just going to do whatever I can to kind of stay on the outskirts. And art and creating was my outlet for my self-expression. I ended up studying engineering my freshman year of college because I like the idea of creating, but then three-dimensional vector calculus, put a kibosh on that. And my dad was a physician, a gynecologist, had delivered over 9,000 babies. And I thought of the idea of becoming a general practitioner and maybe doing Doctors Without Borders, traveling. And once I decided to switch to biology, as much as I loved the idea of healing and helping people and supporting people to be their best self, I just still wasn't sure if I really knew what my passion was. It's so hard to know what you want to do while you're still in college. I am always impressed when people have a very clear vision of what they want to do from such an early age. It seems so unusual these days. I mean, how can you really at 20, 21 years old, we expect kids to decide that they are going to be an accountant for the next 50 years of their life when they're 18 years old. I think a lot of people find themselves in this situation of where you go through life trying to figure it out. And my senior year of college, I heard on the radio about this model talent search. You could travel the world and da da da. And as soon as I heard travel the world, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the Davenport Holiday Inn on that Tuesday night. So I went there, got hooked up with these, these model agent people. And six months later, I found myself in Milan, Italy, doing runway shows for Giorgio Armani and Versace and private dinners with Donatella and Elton John. And I mean, I'm 23 years old. I'm like, this is crazy and amazing. And I'll go to medical school in a couple of years because this feels pretty exciting and, and different. And then I found myself in New York City and I started going on some commercial auditions and started to 
book some of that. And I started to come out of my shell in a sense. And my agent recommended me going into an acting class just to see if I'd be interested in maybe doing some film and TV auditions. And the idea was kind of exciting, but terrifying. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I often tell people that I spent the entire first year of this podcast and launching it, dancing in that space of being excited and terrified. You know, like when you're in sixth grade and you stand up in front of the class to give your report and someone laughs or says something and immediately you're like, okay, I, in that moment, my subconscious decided that I don't want to do this again. I, every time I get up in front of people, they're going to judge me. They're going to say Mm -hmm. something, they're going to laugh. And so we, we make these decisions about ourselves when we're younger that we carry with us into our adult life. And then we start to look at the world through this lens of, I don't want to be criticized. I don't want to be judged. If I try this and fail, people are going to say something. And so it keeps us in a small place. And I just, I was tired of feeling small. I was tired of feeling like I didn't have a voice. And what was great about acting class was as soon as I jumped into that class, it was like, you up on the stage, say these words to this person. And I was like, okay. I mean, I don't have to think of something clever to say. It's right there on this page. Wow. This actually, oh, Tennessee Williams. Ooh, wow. This is, Ooh, this guy's going through some shit. Like, that's what I go like. Yeah, I feel the same way as, as brick from cat on a hot tin roof. And then there's like an actress standing in front of me and I would have to say these words and then she would listen and then re- say words back to me. And the acting teacher would come up to me like, I don't believe you. You're not, you're not connected. I'm like, what do you mean connected? I'm saying the words. And she's like, it's not about the words. It's about connecting here. Do you see this person in front of you? listen, really, truly, actively listen to this person in front of you. So it was an amazing place to just stop from all the craziness that happens in our world outside. I think there's a way to do it in which we are more present, more connected, and doing it in a way in which we're not doing it in such a frenzy to just make money, but do it in a way in which we're actually creating fulfillment in our lives for ourselves and for the people in our lives. And in those acting classes, I just relished going there every Monday and Tuesday night. Yeah, it kind of, I mean, it's funny because I found that to be true with improv. It sounds like the connection was unlike anything you'd experienced as an introvert before. You want to say, can you say a little bit more about that? In my mind, it was, it was very cathartic being able to express all these pent up feelings of not feeling seen, not feeling heard and tapping into my emotions and having that platform to have this amazing, authentic connection with another human being, which I wasn't having out in the real world. And I was like, I want more of this. This is to me feels real. This feels honest. Mm -hmm. And this whole journey of pursuing this career of being an actor and learning to get out of your own way and setting Mm -hmm. your ego aside and identifying that we all have this monkey brain that is constantly in this frenzied state of, you know, of wanting things and wanting more money and, and just to be able to quiet the mind and tap into more of who you are on a spiritual level, more of who you are from an intentional place. That's where I've discovered my uh, most fulfillment, like authentic connection with people. Oh, I just love that. Did finding that authenticity and connection in acting surprise you in any way? It's, it's kind of ironic in Hollywood how when you're in front of the camera, you have to be real and authentic and so truthful. 
And then you go to these Hollywood parties and it's all this like kind of crazy facade of everything's amazing and everything is like, all right, baby, you're going to be a star and blah, you know, and that's why after being in entertainment for the past 20 years, I just needed to take a break. I needed to push the reset button, come back to Chicago, kind of get grounded. I found that my journey of becoming an, an actor and being on the biggest stages in the world, working with Kate Hudson and Sylvester Stallone and meeting, you know, all these incredible, incredibly inspiring artists and producers and directors doing movies all over the world. I felt like the journey getting to that place was a lot more fulfilling and a lot more enriching and uh, was causing me more growth in my life than the actual getting there, going to these Oscar parties and the Emmy parties. And don't get me wrong, it's fun. It's exciting. It's fun to get dressed up. But I just got to a place in my life where I was like, I, I think I need a little more. Now I'm ready for something that's a new challenge, I guess. So yeah. came back to Chicago, ended up, I think it's one of these things where you listen to your heart, you listen to your instincts, you listen to your gut. So what was it that you thought you wanted to do next? I just knew I, I needed to get out of Los Angeles. I didn't know what that looked like. And I think a lot of people are really experiencing that now in their lives with everything that's going on with the pandemic, not knowing what the future holds. And, and that's okay. And being okay with uncertainty and how do you create empowerment in the face of not knowing what your future holds. Mm -hmm. And I think I learned a big lesson from being diagnosed with cancer right. and not knowing what my future was going to hold for me. I was on all my children at the soap opera, I had worked eight years to get to my dream acting job. For eight years, people asked me what I did. And I was, I didn't feel comfortable saying I was an actor because I wasn't really making a living as an actor. I would do a guest star on Gilmore Girls or you know I played a male escort on Law and Order SVU and like these little I was the cappuccino guy in another TV show and so when people asked me what I did I was like, well, I I'm trying to be an actor. I don't know. It's just and once I was on all my children I was like, boom, I'm an actor. That's I was great. like, this is it. I finally made it. 32 years old, living in New York, feeling like I was on top of the world and then Six months into my three-year contract, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Radiation, surgery, came back a year later, had to have another surgery. And it was just scary and terrifying. And it really messed with my head because here I am on a TV show. And with soap operas, it's essentially the height of masculinity and beauty and drama. And there I was dealing with having my testicles removed. And yeah. so then what does it then mean to be a man? Am I a man just because I, we have male genitalia? And this is something that was very embarrassing for me to even talk about. So the fact that I'm even sharing this right now, it took me 10 years to be able to talk about this. Yeah. And I think much like what you were talking about with your experience going through PTSD, it takes some time to, to let your body heal and for you to mentally, emotionally, physically get to a place where, you know, you're like, okay, I think I'm in a good place to be able to share this. And I think what helped me get through it was having, meeting other people who have gone through a cancer experience and knowing that I had gone through it. Yeah. I was talking to some of these kids at Children's Hospital Los Angeles because I do some charity work and just seeing these kids, knowing what they go through, all they want is just someone to sit there and play like shoots and ladders with them. 
play cards, mm-hmm. treat them like a normal kid, not to feel sorry for them. When I was going through my experience, I didn't want anyone to be like, are you okay? How do you need anything? Do you like stop fussing? Just treat me like a normal person. Right. Let's go to a movie. Let's go. I, I need to get my mind off of that. Exactly. How can we cultivate more of the things that we can control? And that's what I talk about in my book. So long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> and, and I appreciate that you shared so much of it. And I think there is a lot of that. What, when we go through a difficult experience, it really does kind of show us what's important. And there's a, a nugget in there about both the things that we've experienced I mean, it does. It questions the like root of who you are. I'm assuming probably for, for most people who've been through something that threatens their health, it, it, it questions mm-hmm. and how does my identity get wrapped up in this thing? And, yes, exactly. And then how do I move forward if that part of my identity has been questioned? And before we hit record, I mean, my, the audience knows PTSD is part of my background. It really shakes the foundation of who you are. And then when you live through it and you get to the other side, though, I found there's so much more joy. And once you can embrace the gifts that you can learn going through it, which always sounds like, eh, I don't want to hear about that when I'm going through it. Like, yeah, whatever. There's no silver lining. No, you don't want to listen to about the silver lining at that point in time. But I think there usually is one. It's interesting to me because a lot of podcasters are also introverts. And I find myself to be one, which I I think I'm like an outgoing introvert, but it's kind Mm -hmm. of interesting. A lot of actors are like that too. I did a some acting in college. That's always felt like a place that I'm okay with. Like it feels like home. So like very getting up on in front of people, you're totally comfortable. I love it. Public speaking. <laughs> do you? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I had to learn, and this is was was great about acting class, is that you. It's so important to just to listen. And what was great about acting is that I had a certain amount of words, and once my words ended then I had to listen to the other person in front of me. And so it was like, okay, for me to really authentically respond to this person, and we would record these on camera, we would record these scenes, and then we would watch them back in front of 20 other students. Mm -hmm. And so you're sitting there watching yourself on camera, and you can tell like, wow, I wasn't listening. And everyone can tell bad acting. It's just when they're in their own world, they're not listening, and they're just saying words and just not connected down in in their chest and in their gut. And one of my acting teachers had us do this exercise. She said, go home tonight and turn the volume down, turn your TV on, watch a sitcom with the volume off, and then watch a drama with the volume off and see if you can actually pick up what they're saying and what the the communication was in in those scenes. And we learned that communication is only 7% verbal. 93% of our communication is nonverbal. Yeah. So facial expression, our energy, how we show up. And that's why in order for us to really have impact in the world, for us to be able to be in a relationship that works, for us to be able to show up at work and be a successful salesperson or a great leader, it's not about what you say. Very little of it is what you say. It's how you say it, how your way of being is. Yeah, that you kind of find when you can direct the the connection, like that's almost it. Like if there's a safety in the, that moment on the stage. Actually, I teach an online course called Camera Ready. Mm-hmm. And it's everything that I've learned in my acting classes that share with people how to be a more effective communicator, how to stand up in front of an audience and communicate from your spirit, from your soul, rather than from your head. And in In there, I have you do some exercises and things that get out of your head and into your body and like 
my acting teachers in our classes, they would have us get down on the floor and act out animal characters. And so a lot of this stuff was great. I think we get so stuck in our head about how we think things should be. And okay, well then, so how can you get up in front of people and authentically share who you are and what your message is if you're so up here? Yeah. And so camera ready helps you get back more into down here. And a lot of people say that public speaking and being in front of the camera is more terrifying than death. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that funny too, though, that like actors have anxiety around things. It's all the anxiety of the preconceived notions of what it is going to be like. But once you're out there, in there and connecting, yeah, then you're good. Then you're calm. Then you're connected. And when we truly connect with people, then that fight or flight response that is just our evolutionary brains trying to protect us is like, oh, okay, you know what? I'm not going to die. There's not going to be a giant tiger that's going to jump out and eat my face off. This is a person and I'm having a real genuine connection. So then your stress level, your hormones and your cortisol, your adrenals all just kind of calm down where you're like, okay, actually, mm -hmm. this is empowering. Yeah. This is exciting. This is, this is a cool feeling to be, have this kind of a connection and be this real and have this energy. I mean, there's, it's so fun to be on stage when it really is, you know, <laughs> or like at a concert when you're at a good concert and you're part of that energy. I mean, that's to me yeah. what life is Ooh, all that's about. That's interesting that you liken that to the energy of the crowd too. I think you're right. Also, I really love what you've said there about the presence when you can kind of sink into the moment and even if it was like a big stage when you're right there with a the person, everything else falls away. I mean, yeah. kind of like a great conversation on a podcast. Everything else just falls away and time stops. I love that. I find there's probably a lot of similarities between improv and being a podcast host. I found that a lot of the, the really intent listening and the other pieces become very handy to understand and be able to use. It's a lot of the same skill set. I think society moves so fast nowadays that as soon as someone starts talking about something of relatedness, we want to jump in right away and say, oh, I did that too. And I, I think the, the best gift you can give someone is the gift of just giving them that space to just to share who they are and what they're dealing with without trying to fix it, yeah. without trying to make them feel that there's something wrong. And I think this is something I'd learn because I know I'm generalizing here, but as men, we, we like to fix things. A lot of our identity and our self-worth is wrapped up in our performance and our, what we are able to, to do and yeah. build and fix and make happen. I think we're seeing what's going on in our country right now. I, I've had this discussion with some of my friends in, and the question is what, what constitutes a good leader? Mm -hmm. And so I guess my, my question to you is what do you think makes a good leader? What makes an effective leader? You mean for the nation or just in general? Just in general. A lot of it, they, active listening. Like really a leader needs to be able to hear what their people and what constituents or whoever it is that they have around them is saying to trust themselves and enact a plan to do as the moment requires. So I, I think it's even if whatever they believe to be the next step is not that popular. And so then a mix of some charisma too. It's really hard to follow someone if you don't feel like their heart's in it. I mean, so the heart piece, I think, is there too. Yeah. What are you guys coming up with as far as what makes a good leader? To me, a good leader is someone who is able to inspire inside people a, a, a mm -hmm. grander vision. 
where everyone feels like they're a part of a collective vision on what's best for that organization or the country or whatever it is. And I know you're not always going to be able to please everyone, but I think uh, a really interesting anecdote that I heard was 60s when John F. Kennedy said we were going to put a man on the moon. And it just kind of galvanized the country in the sense that it was such an aspirational, inspiring goal that people just, their imagination got caught up into it where when JFK went to go visit NASA and he met one of the janitors sweeping the floor, he had a conversation with her and was like, oh, what do you do? And she said, as she's sweeping, oh, I'm, I'm helping put a man on the moon. Mm, yeah. She was so enrolled in that higher purpose of why yeah. she was there. And I think that's what's been lost in, uh, in a lot of organizations. It's all about the bottom line and pleasing your shareholders and making as much money as you possibly can. Yeah. And of course, you've got to be able to put food on the table for people. But when is enough enough? You know, when is the bottom line more important than people's well-being and fulfillment? And I think we set this unrealistic expectation of ourselves. And yes, it can be uncomfortable to have to do something new. And but that's, that's where growth is. That's where progress is. And the, the more you stay stuck in the past, again, I think that's, that uh, is the recipe for, for you being unhappy. I agree. Yes. And of clinging to what has been. It's, it can be very painful yeah. to do that. So if somebody wants to find your book, where is the best, the agile artist? <laughs> yeah, you can, you can get it on Amazon. And you can go to my website, colineggelsfield.com. And on there, I've got my book. You can, you can order from, from my website as well as I've got two online courses. One of them is the Camera Ready course, which helps you get over your fear of standing up in front of a camera and delivering your message. And especially nowadays, we're, we're all having to do a lot of things from home now and being on camera and Zoom meetings. I talk about how to have stage presence in front of the camera and on, and I talk about the equipment you need to create, you know, a little in-home mini studio. And that's what I, I in camera ready. And then the other course is called inspire. And that's a six week goal setting course. That's for anyone who needs a little kick in the butt to start something that they've always wanted to. Uh, like if you're some communication, uh, strategies and letting those down, you can authentically connect with people and start to own who you are authentically as a person. I will put links to all of those in the show notes. And before you go, I have one last question that I like to ask everybody, which is what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? First one I would say is write down what you're grateful for. It's, it's so easy to focus on the things we don't have in our lives. But if we sit down and consciously just write out what we're grateful for, I think that's a great place to start. I think another one is to actually pick up the phone and call someone and tell them thank you for something. Randomly give them a gift. Show up and just do something nice for someone else. The more that we are able to give someone a gift or even if it's just our, give them our ear, I think that's, that's an amazing way to create joy in your life. And then I think the third one is to be a part of a community that supports you in what you're up to in life and reminds you that you're not your negative thoughts that reminds you of your badassery and your boldness and holds you accountable for you being your best self. Because it's easy for us, I think, to show up in a relationship and be like, well, this is just who I am. If you don't like it, then take it or leave it. That's who I am. <laughs> it's like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you're full of shit. How is that working out for you? And 
helps encourage you to be a better person. I think those are the three things that I would say have helped me create more joy in my life. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I, I really appreciate you joining me and um, thanks so much for everything. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you want to find out more about this episode, including links to the things that we've talked about, you can find the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can search for this episode right up there in the right-hand corner of the website. You'll find it. While you're on the website, I know you're going to want to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is Three Joyful Things where I take a look and give you guys the behind the scenes of what I'm really thinking about with each episode, including inspiration, intention, and action, along with the choices that you can make in your own life to bring some of the things that each guest or I share into your everyday life. So it's a lot of fun. You can find the sign up for that off the homepage or within the show notes of every episode. And I would love to connect with you. I hang out a ton on Instagram where my handle is jumpstartyourjoy. You can also find the Facebook page for this podcast at jumpstartyourjoy. So I hope you guys will come on back next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.